Good morning, everyone. Our reading today is from the book of Revelation, chapter 8, verses 1 through 12, and chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. Chapter 8. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it up with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And there were, these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Chapter 9. The rest of humankind, who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. The word of the Lord. Have you ever thought about the difference between an interruption and a disruption? An interruption is when things get off track for a little bit, but then you do a little course correction and you're able to get things back on track. So for instance, the common cold, that's an interruption. You've got a runny nose, sore throat, but you eat your chicken soup, take vitamin C, drink plenty of water, and within a week or two, you're back on track. If an interruption is when things get off track for a little bit, a disruption is when the whole road gets blown up. 
There is no getting back on track because there's no track left to get back on to. In our lives and in our world these past three months and past three weeks, we're not experiencing just an interruption, but a disruption. Whatever normal looks like in the future, it's going to be a different normal. And we can hope and pray that it's going to be a better normal, that especially in light of the disruption of protests in the wake of George Floyd's murder, that it'll be a better normal. But at the same time, we have to remember that the lives of our African-American sisters and brothers have been being disrupted now for centuries by abuse and torture and oppression and violence. What do you do when your life is disrupted What do you do when your education path gets blown up or your economic prospects disintegrate or a relationship falls apart or fails to materialize or you lose a loved one that you were praying for or you're disabled by some horrible sickness or you fall into bondage of some kind, whether through addiction or depression or just the consequences of really bad decisions? What do you do when your life is disrupted? For some of you, disruptions like these have caused you to doubt the existence of God, or at least a loving God. For others of you, you may still believe, but but your hope and your faith have been shaken because disruptions like these have a way of making us think that God is trying to do something to us, that he's being mean to us. But here's the big what if I want us to explore this morning. What if disruptions are not God wanting to do something to you, but God wanting to do something in you. I know that that's a big what if, but if it's true, would you be willing to explore this for just a few minutes? Because it's exactly what this passage we just read is all about. In this passage, there are seven angels with seven trumpets, and whenever they blow the trumpets, the result is disruption, chaos, destruction, catastrophe. What is God doing with these trumpets? Let's find out by seeing three things about these trumpets this morning. We're going to see the message of the trumpets, the purpose of the trumpets, and lastly, the call behind the trumpets, all right? The message, the purpose, and the call behind the trumpets, okay? First, we see the message of these trumpets. Now, Let's orient ourselves and get a little bit more of the backstory on Revelation. Uh, In chapters 4 and 5, we got a vision of God seated on his throne, and God was holding a scroll. Now, the scroll is very important in Revelation. The scroll in Revelation is God's master plan to bring justice, healing, and renewal to the world. The scroll is God's master plan to bring justice, healing, and renewal to the world. In Revelation 5, Jesus goes and he takes this scroll from God's hand and he begins to open the scroll. And the rest of Revelation is basically what happens when Jesus is opening this scroll. He's unfolding God's plan. So if you look in um, the rest of Revelation, chapters 6 through 16, when Jesus opens the scroll, it results in a series or uh, three cycles of sevens. Between chapters 6 and 16, there are seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls. Now, the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls are different perspectives or points of view on the unfolding of God's master plan. It's kind of like if you're on a road down in the middle of a valley, the road is going to look one way to you. 
But if you were to get up on a mountaintop and look down, you would still be looking at the same roll, uh, road, but it looks completely different. You have a different perspective on the same thing. The seals and the trumpets and the bowls are different perspectives uh, or different points of view on the unfolding of God's master plan to bring healing to the world. Now, what's going on with these trumpets? Well, these trumpets are a series of plagues, plagues of hail and fire and blood and darkness. And we didn't read from chapter 9, but there's a plague there of locusts, okay? Now, what's going on with these plagues? If you've been with us, you might remember that Revelation is full of hundreds of references to the Old Testament. And in order to understand Revelation, we have to understand what are these references talking about. The trumpet plagues in the book of Revelation are pointing us back to the plagues in Exodus chapters 5 through 10. In Exodus, God is rescuing Israel out of slavery in Egypt. But that greedy, unctuous King Pharaoh won't let them go. So God sends a series of plagues into Egypt in order to let, uh, make Pharaoh let them go. And these plagues are plagues of hail and fire and blood and darkness and locusts. And they affect the, the natural environment, the sun, the land, the, the river, the created environment. The, the plagues in Revelation and in Exodus, basically, they're all doing the same thing. Basically, nature is going crazy. It's kind of like if you've ever seen any of the Jurassic Park movies. You know, the storyline in every single one of those movies, it's the same storyline. You've got a, a bunch of genetically engineered dinosaurs cooped up in a theme park on an island. They, they can't get out. They can't cause any damage. It's perfectly safe. The humans are in control until they're not because in every single one of those movies, the dinosaurs eventually break out of their cages and they just start going crazy on the island. It's total chaos, total disruption, total destruction. That's what's going on in Revelation and Exodus in these plagues. It's, it's the reversal of creation. Really, it's the reversal of Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, God creates the world. And when he, when he does that, he brings light out of darkness. He brings order out of chaos. He brings beauty and harmony and cohesion out of meaninglessness and nothingness. It, it's, it's God bringing order out of chaos. In Exodus and Revelation, these plagues are showing us the reversal of Genesis 1. It's the reversal of creation. It's the unraveling of creation. Everything's falling apart. Nature is going crazy. Now, why? Well, in Egypt, um, nature, everything in nature was a god. They worshipped everything in nature. They worshipped the sun and the land and the sky and the animals and especially the river Nile. So when God is sending these plagues on these different aspects of nature, it's God's way of saying that any time you worship creation, instead of worshiping the creator, everything falls apart. That any time we try to get out from living underneath the kingship of God and live according to our own rule, the, the result is not going to be more order and harmony in the world, but chaos and destruction. It's the inevitable result. Here in Revelation, we see the same exact thing happening. These trumpet plagues are God's way of exposing the false gods in our hearts. 
and showing us that anytime we try to get out from living underneath the kingship of God, trying to get out from, from his lordship and, and, and live according to our own rule, that the inevitable result is always going to be chaos and disruption. Everything falls apart. You know, we are living right now in a time of disruption, aren't we? The interesting thing um, is that, historically speaking, what we're experiencing right now really isn't all that unique. That throughout history, if you just look at history, there have always been times when it looks like human beings are starting to get control and mastery over the world, but then everything falls apart. So if you look back at the beginning of the 20th century, uh, it was called the Age of Hope. Because of things like science and technology and democracy, human beings thought, oh, we are on the verge of utopia. But then World War I happened and everyone's hope was shattered. You see the same thing in the 1930s with the Great Depression that was a time of great economic disruption or in the 60s, a time of great political and cultural disruption. We are living through another age of disruption right now and really it's all the disruption rolled into one, both environmental and economic and political and cultural disruption all wrapped up into one. Now, I don't know how you're experiencing or processing this time of disruption in your life. But I've been, you know, looking at a number of polls recently. There was a poll recently that showed that 80% of the respondents said that they felt like our country is spiraling out of control. Everything's unraveling. Another poll just back in April um, showed a third of the respondents suffering from clinical anxiety and depression. And another poll just in May uh, showed half of the respondents said that they feel uh, down or depressed or helpless. We are living in a time of incredible disruption right now. Friends, the message of the trumpets is that chaos and disruption is the inevitable result that anytime human beings try to get control of the world, try to live out from underneath the kingship of God and live according to our own rule, the inevitable result is always going to be chaos, pain, and disruption. The big question is, why in the world would God let this happen? Well, that leads to our next point. We've just seen the message of the trumpets, but next we need to see the purpose of the trumpets. And maybe one of the easiest ways to see this purpose is just by looking at the imagery here. You know, uh, these plagues are unleashed by means of trumpet. Now, think about this. W what are trumpets? What do trumpets do? Yeah, trumpets, they make music, but even more specifically, trumpets announce things. Trumpets get your attention. So if you want to call an army to muster, or if you want to call an assembly to attention, you don't use a flute. It's not loud enough. Nobody would hear it. You use a trumpet. Trumpets announce things. Trumpets get your attention. These trumpets here in Revelation, they're really, it's like a tornado siren. It's God's way of saying, stop taking shelter in things that can't save you and start taking shelter in me. That means that the purpose of these trumpets, it's not God punishing us, it's God trying to save us. And, and you see that also if you notice something else um, about these trumpet plagues in Revelation. You notice that, um, that God's holding back here. So for instance, if you look at uh, verse 7, the first angel blew his trumpet and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood and a third of the earth was burned up. Or in verse 8, the second angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sea became blood. Or, verse 12, the fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck. Do you see the pattern here? 
It's not total destruction. God is pulling his punches. He's holding back. That The purpose of the trumpets, it's not for God to punish us, but for him to warn us, to get our attention, to help us to see that he's trying to get our attention in things. You know, friends, there are many, many reasons that God might allow pain and disruption in our lives. Yes, pain and disruption, it's incredibly painful. But have you ever noticed that oftentimes pain is really one of the only things that will really get our attention and, and, and get us to make changes in our lives or in the world that are really necessary to make. We're seeing that right now in our country. No one ever put this better, as usual, than C.S. Lewis. In his book, The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Friends, you know, there are many possible reasons that pain and disruption could be in your life. A lot of times, pain and disruption can come into our life simply by sheer virtue of the fact that we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is under the curse of evil. But have you ever noticed how often pain gets us to pay attention to things that really need to be changed? Very often, God will allow pain and disruption into our lives because it's, it's a way of getting our attention, a way of warning us. Really, what he wants to do is get us to, and the word that Revelation uses, and it's a word we don't like in our culture, but God is trying to get us to repent. So if you look at the end of Revelation 9, at the end of all these plagues, it tells us that after all of this happened, it says the rest of humankind did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping idols, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Now, here's what we really need to see about this. Um, The purpose of these trumpet plagues is to get us to repent, but here's our problem. In our culture, when we hear the word repent, we're thinking far too superficially. We think behavior modification. We think, oh, repentance, that means stop doing bad things, start doing good things. But if you look at this passage, you notice that the primary call to repentance is not focused first on our behavior. Notice it's focused on the work of our hands and worshiping idols. That an idol is any created thing that we worship instead of worshiping God. That means it's really more about control. It's really more about what's going on inside of our hearts. It's really more about us wanting to be lords and saviors of our own lives rather than submitting to the kingship of God. And it's only after that, you notice the second thing, is that the behavior, the murders, the sorceries, the sexual immorality, and the theft, that stuff is the result or the outflow of something that's already going on inside of our hearts. Friends, this means that the gospel is really the exact opposite of traditional religion. Traditional religion is about behavior modification, but the gospel is about heart transformation. Religion is about behavior modification. The gospel is about heart transformation. In other words, what are you really worshiping? What's really going on inside of your heart? What are you really taking shelter in? The purpose of these trumpets is it's God's way of warning us, of getting our attention, of of showing us the futility of all these things we've trusted in, but none of them have the power to fulfill the purpose for which we were created. And so God, a lot of times, he will allow these things to fall apart in order to get us to stop trusting in them and start trusting 
in him. So for instance, Jenny and I, we were watching recently an Asian comedian named Ronnie Chiang. Um, this was a show that was filmed just last year. And in the show, uh, Ronnie Chiang, uh, he takes a number of uh, well-deserved shots at American culture. But one of the things that he said in particular really blew me away. Uh, during the show, which was filmed last year, he's talking about especially our um, culture of consumerism and really especially about our American demand for instant gratification. So he's saying, here's what Americans say. Americans say, Amazon Prime every day. Send that stuff to my house every day. In America, never leave your house. Land of the free and land of never leaving your house. Now, as I said, this was a year ago. I am sure that there is no way that Ronnie Chiang could have had any idea just how ironically prophetic these words were. But a year ago, if, if never leaving your house could be seen as the height of privileged aspiration today, it's, it's showing us just how ultimately unsatisfying things like consumerism and instant gratification really are. Everything we've trusted in is collapsing. Dear ones, it always will. It always will. Every time we try to get control over the world, every time we get, try to get control over nature, every time we try to find happiness in something other than God, the inevitable result is going to be it's going to fall apart. It's going to collapse. It's going to unravel. That is the inevitable result of everything that we try to trust in apart from God. Friends, the message of the trumpets is that pain and disruption is the inevitable result of, of wanting to, to get out from the, the kingship of God and live according to our own rule. The purpose of the trumpets is to get our attention, to get us to stop trusting in ourselves and to start trusting in God. How does that happen? Well, that leads to our last point. We've seen the message of the trumpets. We've just seen the purpose of the trumpets. But lastly, we need to take a look at the call behind the trumpets. The call behind the trumpets what do you do when your life gets disrupted? Our instinct is we want to leap into action. You know, we want to fix things. We want to get a plan, get a strategy, and, and, and get things back on track again. So, and by the way, let me be really clear about this. There are many, many things in our world that require action. They require justice. The events of the past few weeks have made this undeniably clear to us. So if you look at the life of Jesus, for instance, Jesus was always in action. His life was full of action. He was healing people, feeding people, ministering to people, preaching the gospel to people. But if you look at his life, you will notice also that in the midst of all the action, Jesus was constantly drawing away to a solitary place to get alone with God and to pray. Friends, pain and disruption can come into our lives for many different reasons. And God could have many different things he wants to do in our lives through that pain and disruption. But there's one thing that God always wants to do in the midst of anything else that might be going on with the disruptions in our lives. God always wants to call you closer to himself. One of the main places that happens is in solitary prayer alone with God. To, to put a pause to the action and get alone with him. So for instance, if you look here in Revelation, you know Revelation is full of action. 
If they were to make uh, a movie about Revelation, it, it, you know, Jurassic Park would look like a yawner in comparison. Du- Revelation would be the most epic action movie of all time. So at the beginning of this passage, notice it says, when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, we're just coming out of a bunch of action and we're about to go into the trumpet plagues, more action. But in the middle of that, what happens? It says, when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. There was silence for about half an hour. By the way, that means that it's not an end to action because it's a half an hour. It is a pause in the middle of the action. What happens in the midst of that pause? Prayer. So if you notice, it goes on to say, another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints. Friends, one of the main things God wants to do in our lives when pain and disruption come into our lives is to get us alone with him, to get us into a place of solitary silence with him. Yeah, there are all kinds of things. When disruption comes into our lives, what do we want to do? We want to leap into action. We want to make a plan and fix it. We want to get the dinosaurs back in the cages. (laughs) But one of the main things God is trying to do in our lives is get us alone with him, get us in solitude with him so that we can seek him, listen to him, pray to him. And one of the main places that happens is is just getting alone with God, waiting for him, listening to him, attending to him. You know the word attention or attend, the root of that word is is a word literally that means to reach or to stretch out, to reach out to God, to stretch ourselves out to God in solitude and silence and in prayer. So what if instead of beginning with action, we were to begin when disruption comes into our lives, what if we were to begin with silently holding ourselves before God? If it's helpful, you might think about it like this, a little spiritual exercise that you can try. I I put it in the word slow, S-L-O-W, slow. But first, stop. Just stop. When disruption comes into your life, rather than leap into action right away and respond to the disruption that's going on in your life, what if we just got alone someplace quiet with God and just took a pause, just took a few deep breaths? And then next, L would be, Listen. That means listen to what's going on inside your heart. What, is there fear or anxiety? Is there anger or rage? Is there grief or fatigue or bitterness or shame or panic? What's going on inside your heart? Just listen to that. And then next, oh, is for orient yourself toward God. In other words, Hold your mind and your heart, and and with your mind and your heart, reach out to him and and just hold your mind and your heart before the presence of God. And then lastly, as you're doing that, W is for wait. Wait for his voice. Wait for his presence. Wait for whatever God wants to do in your heart at that moment. Stop. Listen to what's going on in your heart. Orient yourself towards God, and then just wait in silence, for whatever it is he wants to do. And understand, that's not going to change your circumstances. It will change you. When Martin Luther King was just beginning to take leadership of the civil rights movement, it was back in 1955 during the Montgomery bus boycott. And uh, he was taking leadership of the movement. And when he did that, he began immediately to receive a number of threatening phone calls and letters. And he tried to ignore them. 
But one night, just as he was getting ready to go to bed, the phone rang. He answered the phone, and on the other end, there was an angry voice ominously threatening his life and his family. And he tried to ignore it. He tried to go to bed, but he couldn't sleep. So he got up. He went into the kitchen. He made a pot of coffee, and he talks about this in one of his sermons. Basically, he was trying to figure out how he could withdraw himself from leadership of the movement without looking like a coward. He wanted to find some way. How am I going to respond to this disruption in my life? But as he sat there, he began to pray. He said, Lord, I'm trying to take a stand here for what I believe is right, but now I'm afraid. The people are looking to me for leadership, but if I stand up before them without strength, without courage, then they too will falter. I am at the end of my power. I have no power left. I, I, I don't know what to do. There's nothing left I can do. I can't face this alone. But then he says that at that moment, he experienced the presence of God in a way that he had never experienced it before. That it was almost as if he heard a quiet assurance of an inner voice. <coughs> an inner voice saying, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for truth. God will be with you forever. And he says, at that moment, it was almost, almost immediately, he says, his fear began to pass away from him. He said, I, I felt as if I was ready to face anything the outer situation remained the same, but God had given me an inner calm. The outer situation was the same, but he was different. Friends, the reason that we can enter into God's presence and hear his voice is because on the cross, Jesus Christ already lost the presence of God and faced the silence of the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus Christ cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus Christ lost the presence of God. He cried out to God, but instead of hearing God's voice, all he got was silence. You know, the cross, friends, is the ultimate disruption. And on the cross, God was not holding back on Jesus. He bore the full brunt of all the chaos and disruption because on the cross, we, you know, experience pain and disruption in our lives because of our rebellion against God. But on the cross, Jesus Christ, the perfectly obedient one, he experienced all the unraveling effects of chaos and disruption and disruption in his life so that God could bring order and harmony and coherence into our lives. Jesus experienced decreation on the cross so that God could bring recreation into our lives. Friends, what do you do when your life is disrupted. The cross makes it possible because God didn't hold back on Jesus. He let him experience the full measure of pain and disruption so that God could bring just enough disruption into our lives to get our attention, to, to, to call us back to him, to get us alone with him so that we could attend to him, listen to him, wait for him so that he could be at work in our hearts and in our lives. Are you attending? Are you listening? Are you waiting? God doesn't bring disruption into your life because he wants to do something to you, but because he wants to do something in you. Will you let him? Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your mercy and your kindness this morning, that you are a God who is so kind and merciful that you have found a way to bring healing to this world by bringing healing into our lives. Lord, we pray today um, there is so much disruption 
in our world and in our lives today, but we pray that you would continue your healing, renewing work and that you would help us to hear what you're saying, to, to respond to how you're calling us. And yes, there's gonna be lots of action, lots of things we need to do in order to partner with you in your plan to bring healing to the world. But Father, first, may we obey your call back to yourself to draw near to you, to spend time alone with you in silence and solitude and prayer. Not that we can change the circumstances of our lives, our world, but that you can change us so that we might more effectively serve you in this world. For we pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen.